Hello, welcome to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. This is a safe space where mamas can talk openly about their highs and lows of motherhood and to look deeper into who they are as women and their journey into motherhood. We may agree and disagree or cry and laugh, but one thing for sure is we will learn from one another and have a great time. So sit back and enjoy. Good morning. Welcome to the Mamas Know Best. We got something to say podcast. I have a very special guest, uh, Bryce. Uh, Bryce is the, I guess, um, handler of the IG Mom Brain Therapist. I'm so excited to have you on. Um, Bryce, why don't you go in, introduce yourself, um, briefly discuss your motherhood journey, and then we'll go into your background as a therapist. Awesome. Excellent. So thank you so much for having me, first of all. I am Bryce. I am a licensed mental health counselor and I specialize in maternal mental health. So working with moms basically. And I work with moms, like Nicole said, around the world through my social media platform, Mom Brain Therapist. And over there, I share about everyday life and motherhood and just kind of everything that comes with that. And in my personal life, I live in a small coastal community in Massachusetts with my husband and I have two kids who are three and six years old. Oh, are they um, boys, girls, boy mom, girl mom? So both? my youngest is a girl and my oldest is a boy. So, and they are just like absolutely two opposites in so many ways. And it's been so fascinating to kind of watch them, you know, be their own people. It's been such a cool I thing. Bet. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I only have a son, but um, I, I think it's awesome. And I love talking to moms who have boys and girls because I, I mean, even though all two children are never alike, right? Even if you had two daughters and two right. sons. But there is still, I'm sure, a difference between a boy and a girl and raising the two. Yeah. And I think I'm also a different person than who I was, of course, when I had my first child, like what I went through with him over the three years before she was born. And, you know, it's been interesting to see, like, just what a different, even a mom I can be, or even my husband as parents, you know, all those differences that kind of come across as we all grow as, as parents. Absolutely. Um, so tell me what made you or how long have you been a, a therapist? And um, has it always been mom, you know, mother maternal health or what, what was that journey like? No. So I've been a therapist since I guess like 2009, I think. So a little over 10 years. Um, and over the years, I've practiced in so many different settings. So I was in the juvenile justice system for a while. I worked in addiction treatment on and off throughout those 10 years. And just basically a little bit of everything, but it was my work with children and families that really drew me to focus on motherhood and parenting in general. So just seeing what an intense and challenging, but super important job we were being entrusted with um, and how intense and just little support that came with that. And it really just opened my eyes to how much this community really needs. So, um, Oh, and of course, becoming a parent and my own struggles with that, like I went through infertility and uh, miscarriages and postpartum depression. And I think that really only intensified my passion for supporting parents during what can be this really lonely, I think, and difficult time. Sure. And do you think it was working with the children that you realize children are affected by their parents, right? I mean, it's, you know, or the, the environment that they're around. Um, um, mm hmm and they say from birth to, I think, five years old, I'm sure you know more of like, you know, like that's a very impressionable, vulnerable time. Yeah. Um, is that all, you know, so was it looking at that and saying, wait, I need to help these moms because they're the ones, you know, raising these children and, and having the issues after birth? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think what really drew me to it was that so often the children were kind of the identified patient, but there was so much more that we could have addressed, like, in a family lens. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like there was stuff going on with the kids, but like, it's never just the kids or it rarely is just the kids. It's really just kind of like the whole environment that we can look at. And I, it got me thinking of how much, you know, we could help kids by working with parents because I think parents are coming to us with their own childhoods, right? Absolutely. And everything that's kind of happened in their lives up until when they become parents. And what can we do to kind of support them and help them heal and kind of grow into this new role so that we can have better outcomes for our kids, which is what parents want ultimately, right? Correct. But I think you said a good point. I think you're right. We all have our trauma, our own 
baggage, I guess, per se, you know, mm-hmm. of things, maybe unresolved issues from our childhood um, that, you know, it isn't until we have our own children that we realize there's certain things maybe we don't want to pass down or certain things we want to do differently. And maybe not even, you know, you could have had a great childhood, but there's still things that you felt you maybe needed as a child differently than what your parents did. Yeah. Um, so that's really important to say, because I think a lot of times we don't talk about that, how when you're becoming a parent, you do have that baggage and some, you know, of, of going to therapy to learn to let that go as well so that you can right. be whole to raise this new human being. Yeah. And I think, you know, like we've, you're saying, like parenthood really awakens us to so much, you yeah. know, like stuff we never thought of before, things we saw one way one day, like the day we have our kid, we're like, oh, like I need to look at that, you know, and there kind of becomes this just new lens that we're looking through everything with. And like you said, it doesn't have to mean that we had this trauma or it was anything bad. It can just be you know what, I'd like to try something different and that's okay. So, or, or just we're living in a different time and we need to do things differently. Absolutely. Yes. That's, that's many conversations I've had with my own parents where I might say, or my sister and I might say that we want to do things maybe a little differently, whether it's um, nutritional, right? And mm-hmm. being specific. Um, no, you have to be quiet. Um, please. Um, it might be nutritional things or, you know, um, anything that that we want to do to better or you know could be we want him to be that um my niece and my son to be on a sleep schedule mm-hmm. or there's certain I want to you know get away from children being seen and not heard and allowing my son to kind of have an opinion and you know giving him options for things and my mom's like but why this or this and I'm like mom we're in a different time you know mm-hmm. it's a different you know we know more we know better um when when I was, when I was young, we didn't have social media. So, you know, now we know all the effects of social media. So when my son is at that age and we have to have these discussions of whether or not he's going to get a cell phone or whatever, I need to make sure that I have open communication with him so that he doesn't go looking for it somewhere else. Right. You know, exactly. um, so I think that that's so important to say that, that sometimes it's just <laughs> the generation that we're in the time that we're in. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, so one of the things that I love about your Instagram page, which we'll talk a little bit more of though, um, but I want to mention something about you had posted about like child parent expectations, relationships. Tell me a little bit how you work, I guess, with that level and the importance of the child and parent expectations and um, the, the, the relationship between the two. Yeah. So I talk a lot about expectations because I think they kind of get in the way of a lot of stuff in all of our relationships, but definitely I think as parents and from our own perspectives. So I think we all come into parenthood with this story about how things are going to go, right? Like, this is what it's going to look like. This is how my kid is going to be. This is how I'm going to be as a parent. And like, that's going to be it. And then we get these kids who are their own little people with their own stories to tell. And we're just sitting over here like, wait, this isn't what I expected. This isn't how this was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And it can be really unnerving just letting go of or even just adjusting our expectations and writing it out. So it's something we really just don't have that much experience with in so many other areas of our lives. Um, You know, the parenthood child parent child relationship is just so intense Mm -hmm. and we struggle a lot with, you know, adjusting these expectations for what this parenthood life was going to be like. It also kind of our expectations of who our kids are going to be, you know, and what we bring, how that kind of impacts us as parents. Sure. Um, Yeah. Expectations. I know there's a quote somewhere, but setting yourself for any expectation in any situation is almost setting yourself up for failure because it's never going to work the way you're expecting it to work. Yeah. Um, I think I don't know why, for some reason, moms, and I'm, I was guilty of it myself, of thinking it's going to be this way. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when we are shocked and find out it's not, that's when maybe frustrations come in or we're comparing ourselves to other moms or comparing our children to other children. And I, I know I've been guilty of that, of like, you know, not on a, on a um, long-term level, but at times, you know, am I doing enough, you know, and things like that. So that's very important to um, point out and tell me, does that go into the mom rage? You know, is that, um, I mean, I know mom rage is so real. We don't talk about mom rage a lot and the seriousness of it. I know, you know, we talk about postpartum depression and things like that, but 
mom rage and moms being angry. I know I suffered it, not really mom rage like for my son, but towards my partner, mm-hmm. just being angry. Um, so talk a little bit about that and the importance of mothers acknowledging and learning skills to manage temper and anger. Yeah. So anger in motherhood is so such a real and under-discussed topic. You know, it's just another emotion in a lot of ways, but it's emotion an emotion that we have so many feelings about. You know, we have lots of, like you said, like guilt and shame and everything that kind of goes along with that. So I actually started talking about it more on my social media because I found that it was coming up so often in the moms I was working with personally And it was getting such a huge response on my post that I just couldn't ignore it. You know, every time I would post about it or mention it, I would get tons of DMs. People were sharing my posts like crazy. And I was like, wow, like this is something people aren't addressing. And I think as a therapist, sometimes I forget like, you know, what happens in normal conversations because I'm used to having these like kind of deep conversations and really getting in touch with like what's really people are really thinking about, you know, that they're not talking about. And I forget like, oh, like real life, like people don't talk about this stuff because we're so used to presenting, especially in this social media age, we're supposed to be presenting ourselves as happy, grateful, all of these wonderful things that motherhood is supposed to be, but that's not always the case. Um, So, you know, what I really want to kind of just work with people on and kind of express to them on my channel is that, you know, Anger is trying to communicate something with us. I think so often the tendency is to avoid looking at it because it feels so uncomfortable and heavy and just like we want to turn, put it in a closet and shut the door, right? But if we can get curious about it without judgment, we can really learn a lot from our anger. Like what unmet needs might be going on under those, yeah, under there or, you know, unhealed parts from our past, like we were talking a little bit about ago, you know, maybe from our childhood or just different relationships that we've had along the way sure. and are sneaking into our present moments with our kids. So really kind of just exploring it is what I always encourage with people. And and I, I think like I'll do that with my son too. Like I, I was reading something that they were saying, like it's important for um, parents to acknowledge feelings in their children, even from young so that they yeah. understand happy and sad and angry. So when my son has his temper tantrums and he's getting upset and I'm like I understand you're upset I understand that you're angry however you know um, it's okay but you can't you know let's say if he wants to hit or he wants to throw something and expressing that and I think for adults we don't do that like for kids like we'll talk to them you know but we don't do that for ourselves being like it's okay why am I angry let's break it down to the core and figure out what it is because usually like you said it is a trigger of something something is happening underneath the surface Yeah. Something has set us off. And I love what you just said, how like, it's something we don't do for ourselves. And it's also, which is true, but it's also important that to remember that it's also something that probably wasn't done for us, Mm -hmm. you know, and that goes back to that kind of difference in parenting along the timeline, you know, across Mm -hmm. generations is that this is kind of something fairly new of seeing children as like people and it wasn't necessarily done in a way that we might do it today, right? Acknowledging emotions, talking about emotions, talking about our feelings. And so that is another part of the reason why I think it's not talked about, but also why it's kind of such a struggle for people is because we don't have as much practice as we'd like to think with this one emotion. Correct. Which is such, which an emotion that isn't, that wasn't just founded yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. It was always here. Yeah. But people weren't talking about it and we were kind of like, we might've been punished for it as a child. We might have been told like, that's not acceptable. You're not allowed to, you can't be angry. What do you have to be angry about? You're just a kid, you know? Um, Oh my God. That's so true. Like how many times if you're just a kid, like you're not, what do you have to be angry? You have no problems. You're supposed to be happy and free. Gosh, how many times I've heard that even growing, you know? Yeah. pay you have no problems (laughs) yeah exactly like you forget that emotion that's that doesn't apply you're not that's not real but it was real and it just was never really validated for us so we kind of like squished it down like okay I guess I can't talk about that one but now we're adults trying to figure out how to manage our anger (laughs) yeah and now you know what happens I think is when we get into we become parents it kind of starts creeping in again because this is our first time back in the parent-child relationship since childhood right we're the parent now but we're back in this dynamic between a as mothers i'm assuming most of your listeners are probably like you yeah. know identify as mothers but as parents and it's a child and it's going to start bringing up a lot of the stuff that we experienced as children mm-hmm. in when we were the child in that relationship absolutely 
um, and tell me, I, I know a big part of your Instagram page and I saw on your, on your website, the mom's temper toolkit. Talk, talk to me about that. Sure. So I decided to make the temper toolkit as just a small offering. It's just like, it's not anything huge and just a small mini course to get mothers or parents in general looking more closely at their tempers. So I kept hearing over and over again how parents were struggling with the guilt around those moments where they lost their tempers with their kids, but they weren't sure how to stop or even just lessen the frequency. And I got thinking about how one of the skills I've taught again and again in therapy that would be helpful is how we can delay our reaction to an anger trigger long enough to choose a different response. Mm. So now obviously we won't always be successful and that's okay, but sometimes just giving ourselves that little extra time to pivot our response makes a world of a difference. Um, and for those times that we do lose our tempers, I also like to talk about that is letting go of the guilt and learning how to get curious about what happened and why it happened but also to repair those interactions with our kids and give them the gift of knowing what healthy repair looks like. And that's like repair. When I say that word, it's kind of like how we apologize and mm -hmm. repair the rupture that happens when we lose our temper with our kids or have just like a difficult moment with them, because this is something that they experience over and over again in their lives. And if we can show our kids how to do that in a healthy kind of, you know, supported way, they can, kind of know what to expect from future relationships and also know how to do it themselves because we're teaching them through our own actions. Absolutely. I had read somewhere, I think it was a celebrity, it might've been Kristen Bell was saying that her and her husband, um, when, you know, it's parents tend to argue in front of their kids, because again, it could be a trigger. Maybe, you know, your child is there and maybe not an argument, but some kind of yeah. disagreement. Um, but they never see the makeup. Right. Right. You might be upset and then you go into your room and you make up and she's like, no, we definitely always make sure to show the makeup in front of our children so they can mm. see the full circle. And that's always stayed with me because I'm like, wow, that's so true. We might see a disagreement, a parent, you know, whatever, even growing up me. And then it's like, oh, OK, fine. And they, you know, it's, um, un, you know, they don't it's uncharted territory. They don't talk yes. about it again. They sweep it under the rug and we don't yep. ever see the resolution with it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I, as, as I'm older, I mean, I'm, I'm a grown woman, I have a family and um, my previous relationships and I've had to work through of how to have proper conflict resolution, whether it's with my professional relationships, my personal relationships, mm -hmm. looking at me, but that took time. Um, yes. So that's always stayed with me. So I think what you just said is so poignant because it's true. It's showing and repairing the relationship because we broke that trust with our child. You know, we, you know, we, we did what we're telling them not to do, which is have a temper tantrum, not be upset. Um, so we should own up to our, our mistake in that or our um, responsibility in that. Yeah. And help them understand it. You know, that we have safe, we can safely go through our anger cycle and, you know, we're not always going to be able to control our temper because we're not robots. That's just how it works. You know, like some days we're going to be able to do it and other days we're not. And to let them see that, like, even though we can do that, we can be imperfect people and we can still have healthy relationships and apologize and, and make it right, so to speak with them. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, in, in looking into that. Like I said, I went into the website and I was like, oh, I want to talk to you about it. Um, but I think it's definitely something that I'd like to sign up to just to kind of understand like my own, like I said, you know, I'm not perfect. It's a work in progress. Um, I have grace with times when, especially if I, if I'm str stressed with work, like I know, I know what some little triggers are. If I want him to go to bed soon and I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, oh, and I'm starting to get frantic. And that's when I know my patience is running thin, sure. but I would like to be more, maybe more prepared with it um, to recognize when it's coming. So, because then I do feel the guilt afterwards, you know? Yeah. Just slowing ourselves down. I always kind of liken it to when I always tell people like, we need to slow down enough. Like think of yourself like backing out of a parking space, right? We don't just like hit the gas and go. We're really like, want to be mindful of like, what are these, what's my body telling me? What's my mind telling me? And slowing down enough to know that maybe we have anger coming, right? Come our anger is trying to like kind of sneak up behind us or that it's kind of already there. We need to kind of do something to diffuse that for ourselves and take care of ourselves and listen to it in a way that helps us not explode, right? Just right. slowing down that process. Yeah, I think that's the key, slowing down, because a lot of it is is rushing for whatever the next thing we're trying to do, the next task as a mom mm -hmm. and a parent that we're trying to do. 
when yes, slowing down and either appreciating the moment and saying, okay, I will get to it. Just relax, calm down. It's like, sounds so easy, but I know it's something of working through to say, just slow down. Because like you said, when we're driving in a car, when we're crossing the street, when we're doing certain things, it's automatic reaction to slow down and be aware of our surroundings. We should be able to apply it in relationships as well. But I think we take that for granted. Yeah. And it's, it's just not easy to do, right? I mean, it's hard. It takes a lot of practice and like I said, we're not always going to be perfect with it, but we can, you know, just practicing is, is the real goal. Sure. So tell me when you shifted from, you know, really wanting to focus on the mom's maternal health aspect, which on um, countless interviews I've done on here that I've, I've had with moms and um, other therapists in general, and we've spoken, I'm like, it's midwives or pediatricians. And in like, it's crazy how in 2020, we're just now really, really trying to touch on mom's mental, mater, uh, mom's maternal health, mm-hmm. postpartum, um, or even during, like, we don't really, like, there's not a lot of um, science-based things on it, like how a mom's brain does change. And, you know, I know mm-hmm. for me, I went from being a very, like, strong patient XYZ, and then my son came and I was like this nervous wreck. Right. I was like, who am I? You know, I like, relate. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it crazy? You know, and I'm like, how are, how is this not talked about? How are we now still in 2020? And we don't talk about this when women have been giving birth since literally the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you did make that shift, um, I see your IG page again, which I love. I love how you have the memes and, you know, you break it down of like describing whatever it is, what you want to talk about, whether it's managing anger and things like that. When did you create your IG page? Why did you feel like, what's the inspiration behind it? And talk about your fun weekend polls that I love. Oh, definitely. (laughs) All right. So I created this page way back when in 2018, but it was under a different name. And I can't even really remember the name right now, but I was originally talking about infertility and miscarriage because I was just coming off the birth of my second child and it was something I had dealt with infertility with her. I went through IVF with her and I've had miscarriages. Mm. Um, And another thing we don't talk about a lot. Another thing we don't talk about a lot, which is why I always like to bring it up because I think the more we talk about these things, like we normalize it because a lot of women are going to have a miscarriage, right? Or have had one. And, you know, we suffer in silence. So I always like to mention that because I think it's just an important part of our stories, right? Right. You know, I don't, I think I'm the mom I am today because of what I went through uh, with infertility and loss and postpartum depression. And it's really impacted me and kind of how I even relate to other moms. So I had started it with that in mind, right? But I ended up working on something else and I came back in March of 2019. I renamed the account. I think I only had like 700 followers or something like that. Um, And I had, I renamed myself mom brain therapist because I knew I wanted to talk about motherhood um, in a more general way. And the, like the adaptation to motherhood, like was what you were just saying, you know, that kind of shock that comes with that. Um, And it's kind of evolved along the way. And I love that it's kind of become a space where we can just talk about, everyday motherhood, which is what I think is missing sometimes in mental health. You know, I think we sometimes think mental health is just sickness, but I truly believe that, you know, maternal mental health is, applies to all of us. And it's about the like little everyday moments and how we can improve upon and cope with everyday motherhood in just a very general, you know, uh, simple way. It doesn't have to be complicated. Personal question, because I know you said after that you've suffered with postpartum depression and your oldest is now six. Yes. Yes. My son is going to be three, so I'm still a new mom, right? And I guess, yeah, we're both still, I mean, I don't know when you're not, like what that time frame is of not being a new mom, but do you still have moments like how, because it's so important that you said that, like it's still everyday moments, like is it still something that you have to work through? My postpartum depression or just like, or just even in general, like, you know, like I still have anxiety, the depression part, I didn't go too much, but my anxiety was off. Yeah. So the the Richter for me, you know, for something I had never experienced before Mm -hmm. and it's gone away, but it comes back in waves and I have moments and I have to talk myself through it. So, you know, talk to me about that from a mom to a mom. What does that look like? Is it always worked on? Yeah. So I went through postpartum depression with my son. He was born at 35 weeks. Unexpectedly, I was out of town at my baby shower when my water broke. And from that point on, I think I just like 
was like, I'm not ready for this. And that just kind of kept like doubling down on me. <laughs> like, you know, that feeling of like, I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. And this wasn't supposed to happen yet. And so that kind of, and he had spent time in the NICU. And I think that kind of spiraled into a depression and anxiety situation for me. Sure. And that did ease. Um, but, you know, and I don't deal with that currently. Um, and I did, even though I did struggle with it throughout like my infertility journey while I was trying to have my daughter. Um, but in my today life of a three and a six year old, you know, mom or mom to a three and a six year old rather, you know, I like to look at kind of how I'm feeling, like how overwhelmed I feel, how burnt out I feel, how kind of, um, how, where my patience is at with my kids and really kind of look at that as with, as collecting information, exactly. right? It's so easy to kind of get down on ourselves and be like, oh, I'm doing such a bad job or I'm losing my patience or I'm having such a bad day. Why do I feel so overwhelmed? When we can really, I try and just get out of that judgment zone, right? And kind of get more into like, well, what do I need? What is this telling me about myself? Like, do I need a break? Do I need to go, you know, let my husband take care of bedtime and I can go walk the dog? Or I, you know, instead of trying to, uh, as a, work from home mom, you know, I can so often be working till midnight, but maybe tonight I need to just watch a movie and hang out with my husband after the kids go to bed and that'll kind of help me calm down a little. So really just kind of looking at how I'm feeling in motherhood and evaluating that for what I might be needing. Because so, I think so. how we feel is so often an like an indicator. I always talk about the check engine light, you know, that if I'm feeling not so great, like what's going on under there? You know, what do I need from this moment? What's, what's lacking in my life that I could add in to, to help me feel a little bit better. So as opposed so that, and that's good to sit because it's like, it's more of like seeing the, the sign, you know, at the end of the rainbow or the, you know, of like saying, you know, it, it might get easier in some aspect, but like you said, you're going to still have moments. So it's recognizing yeah. those moments and dealing with the moments as they come, as opposed to, although I'm sure there's some people who still suffer certain things longer, mm -hmm. depending on, you know, what their trauma is or what they're right. still dealing with. Um, but that's, a, that's a good point of looking at it as a moment per moment thing. Yeah. And I think that's where I'm at. Like I said, I don't, I don't have it. The initial of what I did had, like, I couldn't hear him cry. I couldn't, you know, I didn't feel comfortable leaving him with certain people. It was, it was tough. I didn't like to go out with him in public because I was a fear of that I was going to be shamed. I wasn't yes. breastfeeding him correctly. I wasn't changing his diaper correctly. Like really crazy, like thoughts that I've always yeah. been a really confident person. That's why mm -hmm. I was like, where is these things coming from? But that has kind of slowed down, obviously, as I get more into motherhood. And now it's on a moment basis of trying to navigate through those, I guess, moments as they come. Yeah, navigating those moments as we as they come. And I think in a lot of ways, we've been sold this idea mm -hmm. of motherhood that's perfection, right? Mm -hmm. And that's unrealistic, that we're going to love every moment or everything's going to be great and it's just going to be magical and easy and effortless, right? Yeah. But it's not because <laughs> no relationship, it's like saying marriage is supposed to be easy and effortless or that just because you have a job you love means you're going to love going every day. Does it, that's not true, right? So we have to just kind of going back to the expectation piece that we talked about earlier is saying like, this is this feels hard because it is hard, and recognizing that it is hard and it's okay. Normalizing and being honest that motherhood yes. is hard, and whatever whether you're a stay at home mom or work from home mom or work out of the home mom, and you're mm -hmm. trying to navigate all of these things. And we haven't even touched COVID, and you know. <laughs> Right. Online or, you know, on site and distance learning and all of that stuff. But your weekend polls, I do want to go back to that. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. love them. Where do, what's the inspiration behind that? So I actually, I think I saw some version of them happening on another account. And I just kind of, and theirs was like, just, theirs was different in a way. Um, but I kind of like just modified it to what it is today, which is like, yes or no, either or questions. And I can't remember how long I've been doing them at this point. I think maybe a year or so. But they have become quite the thing. Um, I'm always amazed at how many people show up for it each week. You know, and each week it's kind of just like amazes me. Um, as far as what I do with them, I don't actually do anything with them. Um, they're really just a way to connect people through the common experience of parenthood. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that it's kind of just become a place for people to ask questions that they might feel alone in, or they might oh, feel like they're so the only they're seeing it. It's like, wow, these are topics and things that might not, cause I'll see some things that I never even heard of and I'll see like 1%. So it's like someone out there is struggling with this. Yes. 
Yeah. And I love that that's kind of what it's become. Um, that, and I hear that from so many people that they Google stuff that they see, like people use write in about things that they're going through or things that their kid is going through. And people write me all the time. They're like, wow, like I had to look that up. I had no idea, but like, that makes so like, I, I, now I'll know when I meet a mom and she tells me about that, or when I meet another parent or if, you know, all of these different things. And, and on the flip side, you know, somebody else, I can, we're able to connect so many people that, you know, maybe who have uh, experienced something in their childhood that is very unique, that they're in that 1%. And I can connect maybe the X many people that have experienced that if they, so if they want to, they often do reach out and ask me to connect them, sure. you know, and it kind of just brings together people and it's nothing that I ever expected to happen. I just thought it was kind of a fun thing to do for my stories for, you know, I like a it. day. I love it. I, when I see it and I go, I'm like, oh, I want to see and what I have and what the question is and other things. And I have Googled some things as well. And I think it's ingenious because it's what we need as moms, which is, right. and, and, I, and I think honestly, in anything in life is conversation. That's how we yeah break down stigmas. That's how we normalize things. That's how we understand each other better is through conversation. And Mm -hmm. really seeing at the end of the day, we're all struggling with the same thing on some level. Yes, definitely. You know, so I, I I always look forward to it. So, um, keep them, you know, keep them coming. So, okay. So let's talk about COVID a little bit, because I know you had mentioned, um, that you had seen, you know, with the mom rage was you, were you seeing that through COVID or is that something you had seen like with a year, you know, within a year or so? Cause I know you had said you, that's was one of your things of putting the mom's temper tool kit together. Yeah. Was it during the COVID time or are you seeing an increase during COVID? Well, I think I've, I've seen it all along, right? I mean, even just working with families throughout the years, I think that kind of anger in parenthood is something that is, you know, we hear about, I've heard about all along. But I will say that with COVID, you know, that I was hearing about it more, you know, which is understandable, right? Because the anxiety was high, we're out of our element, we're out of our normal activities and routines, and so are our kids. So we're all just kind of like a little, I don't want to say time bomb, but like, you know, like a little pot boiling and boiling and boiling because we've got so much stuff going on. So I think COVID has definitely increased a kind of our feelings of anger or our quickness to anger rather, and kind of lowered our patience in a lot of ways as parents, just because of everything that's going on around us. Sure. What have you, what have you learned the past, what is it now, six months? I mean, since really like the beginning of quarantine, you're in Massachusetts. So I don't know when, I know for us, I think everything shut down like March 20th. Yeah. Um, so what have you learned during the past six months? Hmm. So I really just think I've learned how resilient we can all be. You know, I think having the rug pulled out from under us was just so shocking, right? I mean, we went down into lockdown right around then. I think my kid's last day of school, I want to say was like the 15th or 16th. And we left and we're like, oh, we'll be back in a couple weeks, right? And here we are, like, what is it, six months later. And, you know, that life is totally different. But at the same time, like we found, I don't want to say we found a new normal, but you know, like my kids wear masks now to the grocery store and they think nothing of it. And I don't know if that's, you know, that there's some, something a little sad about that to me, but there is, you know, just that resiliency of people to kind of adapt to, to new situations is, has been pretty remarkable. I think, I think so. And I think to give the kids the credit too, because I think we're adults, so we can kind of know, okay, well, this happened and um, um, trying to think of the word, but like where there's an action and a re, you know, like we can, we can put and we're, we're, we can figure that out. But kids, you know, like you said, they left school, they're supposed to see their friends, this is supposed to happen. And now mm-hmm. we have to explain to them in a non, as much as we can threatening way. I mean, my son was two, almost two and a half when it happened. Yeah. It's still a difference because he's going to be three. And I'm like, you know, that six months is a big, I mean, he, his um me being home with him during that time was a blessing because we started potty yeah. training like we, he had all these different transitions so I didn't mm-hmm. have to think too much of going back to school he was happy to be home but yeah. your children that are older how did you explain to them like we're not going back to school right now we have to do this we have to make changes right you know and I think that was 
I really expected my oldest, my six-year-old, to have like the hardest time, but he kind of looked like, and I don't want to say enjoyed it, but he was like a real homebody, and he was like, all right, I'll stay home. You know, like there were some things he was kind of sad about, but my three-year-old was like the shock of my lifetime. Like I never thought she would like notice, right? I mean, she loves being home, but she really struggled with that, and um, it which made it kind of really painful for us as parents to watch. You know, we could we would drive by the grocery store, and she loves going to the grocery store with me and riding in the cart. And knowing that she couldn't do that, she would just scream and cry driving by the grocery store every day. And it was, you know, just one of those things. Like, yeah, how do you, you can do so? You're being helpless. You can't change it. Yeah. And it's this very like, and there was a few things along, you know, that were really hard for her, but that, that just that change of everything she had ever known. She's just a little older than your son. But like you said, it's just such this period of their lives is like a big part of their lives, like in terms of, you know, ratios and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just all of that really sudden change for her normal routines, going to visit my parents, which we couldn't do for a few months was upsetting or, you know, um, you know, her big thing was like Chuck E. Cheese. And like she, I think she's only been like once, but she's like, I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. And we're like, we can't go to Chuck E. Cheese. But so really just kind of trying to explain something that was hard to even explain for myself as a, a woman in her thirties, right. Um, was really a, a real challenge. Yeah. But I, I like it. Resilience. Same thing. I mean, we do not give ourselves credit. We don't give our children enough credit. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it was a scary time, especially in the beginning, because we had no idea, you know, I remember I didn't want to leave the house at all. I was, we were just, we didn't know, you know, I think right. there's so much, such things, such fearful of the unknown, um, mm-hmm. you know, obviously now, but yeah, but resiliency. So that's, that's beautiful. What are you looking forward to post COVID and quarantine and all of this stuff? So I'm really just looking for, you know, I'm looking forward to a little bit of normalcy. You know, my son is always asking, when's coronavirus going to be over? <laughs> like, like that there's some end date that we know about and are yeah, keeping yeah. from him, um, which there's not. And I think that's another reason why this always feels so hard, right? Is that yeah. we just don't know where the end is. But I'm really just looking forward to them, like being able to go back to like basic stuff, like you know, going to recess <laughs> and seeing, you know, a bigger variety of his friends and being out in public, you know, and getting to do a lot of, we're big on like doing things on the weekends, like going to fairs and doing like going to places or traveling to see family and friends. And, you know, we haven't done any of that. We've basically been like been in our house for a long time now. Um, And so I'm really just looking for some more, you know, to grow our geographic circles, so to speak, and give them some normalcy. A lot of people I talk to, they say that they're like, I just want to get out and travel. You know, I think we've all kind of had the cabin fever now. Yeah. Um, So yeah, we all kind of want to go out no matter where that is. (laughs) Right, wherever. I'll go anywhere, really. Yeah. Um, What coping skills have you implemented during quarantine that you'd like to share, excuse me, with the podcast where that you think are important during quarantine and maybe even to take with you post whatever this, you know, turns into. Yeah. So, um, I really just tried to practice adjusting my expectations for myself and for my kids. You know, I think this is just, you know, going back to what we said before, this is such a stressful and unprecedented time and just giving us all a little flexibility and grace. Right. I mean, like, I'm not going to be perfect. My reactions aren't going to be perfect and neither are my kids, you know, like as resilient as we're all being, we're all going to have our moments of like frustration and aggravation with an anxiety of how this is all going and just trying to be mindful of, of just how hard this is for everyone. Like it's very easy in our brains to say like, this is hard and it's hard for me, but it's also hard for everyone. And, you know, trying to just be just, uh, just give a little more, you know, lower, not lower my expectations, but adjust my expectations and just give everyone a little more grace and flexibility. And have the gratitude of knowing it could be worse. It could, yeah, we could be sick. I could be sick. You know, anything could be, you know, happening and, um, you know, just being grateful for our health and that we're just doing everything we can to get through this. Sure. 
Um, and how do you handle maybe, obviously in the climate of the world, and we're not going to go political, we're not going to go any of that right here, but sure. there is negativity, right? We just we can't yep. get away from it from, you know, the past six months between COVID, seeing death numbers, the state of the culture and the climate of where we are right now. How do you handle seeing negativity in news and social media? Do you do you distance yourself from it? Do you only follow positive posts? Mm -hmm. um, I'm more of a person who I try to embrace it to a certain extent until maybe I am a little bit overwhelmed, but mm. I do feel it's important to see what is going on. Cause I know some people are like, nope, I don't want to hear about it. I like to, I mean, I like to know what is going on. How do you handle the negativity in the world right now? And, and especially because it is, we have it so relevant within social media. Yeah. So I'm actually really sensitive to all that stuff, you know, <clears throat> and I think having worked with so much trauma in my clinical mm -hmm. work, I try to be really protective of what I bring into my brain, <laughs> like what I show it. And because I know how I'm deeply connected with how kind of the input impacts my energy and impacts how I am at home and how I am with my kids. So I love to be informed. So I usually try and choose a specific news sources to, I get my information and I get in and I get out. Like I'm not in it to like debate with anyone or, you know, change anybody's opinions. You know, in a lot of ways I'm really just here to like, I want to be an informed person. I like to have the information and kind of processing that on my, you know, in my own way and having these discussions with people in my life. If, you know, I, if I choose to, um, I don't really get too much out of like kind of being involved with the drama of social media. Like I just, I want it to be somewhere I like to go and not something, something that builds my energy up, not sucks my energy out. And so I really just try and be mindful of what's taking from me and what's giving to me. And when I notice something is taking too much, I try and limit my exposure to it. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. And you, you touched on it exactly. When it, you realize it's giving too much of, of taking maybe the positive or seeing the negative energy of kind of stepping away from it. And I, yeah. I kind of do the same thing. So I, you know, that's, that's good that you put that out there. Cause I think people are still trying to struggle with that. Do they say yeah. something? I also feel like it's important to maybe not give your energy to everybody. And I think you basically said that too, of like, not always responding, not always having to do this, not always having to give your energy to that mm -hmm. negativity, right. Um, to protect your safe space, to have the boundaries. So are your kids currently, are they on site? Are they virtual? What's, what's going on? And what does that look like in your home? So my daughter is going to preschool. So she just started, I want to say two weeks ago, okay. um, which was, you know, a big step after being home for so long. And of course, of course, being home with the anxiety of like, oh, we can't go out. We can't see people. <laughs> we can't do all that. So she, so she's going to this great little preschool that's being held mostly outdoors. I'm not sure they've even gone inside yet, but I'm sure that'll eventually change um, considering we live in Massachusetts and it's going to get cold. Yeah. Um, and my son, who is six, he's in first grade, and he just started virtual learning this week, and they are ramping up for in-person school, which starts um, mid-October. Okay. So he did virtual learning this week, which was like a whole <laughs> situation that I was super unprepared for how difficult it would be or challenging it would be. Um, and eventually I think he goes two half days in person next week, two half days the next week, and then starts full time the week after that. Okay. So yeah. So how have you balanced that with the work and motherhood when it's all inside of your home? <laughs> well, there hasn't, you know, I think probably like any of us, there really hasn't been much balance, right? It's kind of like all or nothing in a lot of ways. You know, I, you know, this summer I really tried to do it all at times. And then I had to, I realized that I had to step away from certain things. You know, I gave myself permission to do that. And, um, so I focused a lot on my kids this summer. You know, I had, I had, was lucky enough to be able to do that as kind of a, a solo business owner and, um, just really, you know, giving myself permission to be where I needed to be in that moment, you know, like, some days I was working till, you know, midnight at one o'clock in the morning, like getting stuff done or taking breaks during the middle of the day, switching off with my husband throughout the day. Um, Cause we're both working from home and really just giving myself permission to be where I need to be in that moment and recognizing that balance right now isn't going to happen. I just have to be, you know, we're always picking and choosing where our attention goes and, and 
sometimes that's work and sometimes that's motherhood and and we just go from there you go with the flows yeah go with the flow yeah and i think it goes back to the expectations lowering the expectations because we're if it, we're expecting it's going to be this way and we're expecting oh no we're going to get the work done we're expecting to do this mm-hmm. it's just no you have to kind of I, I know for me take that off the board yeah i had difficulty when um, my son was in preschool as well um and when he <clears throat> was home and I was home with him, I'm not a homeschooling type parent. So yeah. I felt difficulty and I was putting pressure on myself to be this like Pinterest mom. Right. You know, like I was like, wait, he should be doing this. He should be doing right. that. Right. I know. Yeah. I don't know, like a week or two into it, his school started doing virtual, which I loved because I was like, look, I know he's young, but I need him to remember his teachers because I know eventually yeah. this is going to, we got to go back and I know it's going to be hard. My son has had, now he's gotten much better, but like the separation anxiety, mm-hmm. um, he had been going to school for so long. He still sometimes would cry and I want mommy. So they, they did that. And that was like maybe 15, 20 minutes, but I loved it. But even still, like, I'm like, oh God, we have to do these arts and crafts and yeah. I have to be doing this. And then I don't know, maybe like, like three or four weeks in when I was struggling, I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm like, look, he can learn through so much. I don't necessarily need to have this structured play that is yes. not who the kind of parent I am. What does he like to do? What do I enjoy doing? And I took that approach. So I, lo- I you know, love it. He loves to be outside. So we would go outside. And as we out- outside, I would point out um, things. Oh, how many ducks do you see? How many trees to do the counting yep. aspect? We'd go on treasure hunt. So like I did that approach, but for a while I struggled because I was like, oh, I need to be making these crafts. He needs to be learning yes. how to cut and he needs to be doing writing. And I'm like, what am I doing? That's not <laughs> me. I love that. And that's not me either, you know, and I'm very, I so relate to kind of what you just said. And I, I love that you said that because it goes back to this kind of what we were talking about with expectations, right? Is like, we think that there's this expectation of what like a good parent would be doing like, Oh, Pinteresty pre- preschool at home type stuff. But like, you're awesome just the way you are. And how cool is that? That you were able to kind of listen to what he loves and listen to what you love. And it's still, you know, nourishing him and nourishing you at the same time, instead of draining you. Right. Like exactly. I'm sure that draining, then I'm going to be frustrated. And then here yes. because I'm frustrated. It's not going right, but it's not going right. Cause I don't want to do this. He doesn't want to do this. Why am I pushing it? <laughs> Why are we doing this? Yeah. And that's not the, exactly. So like going back to the idea of like recognizing, you know, what fills you up and what drains you, yeah. you know, and kind of really seeking out those moments that fill you up. Cause what we think is, you know, we're supposed to be doing sometimes is draining us because it's exhausting and it's just not who we are. Correct. And, and no, and look, and I, for the people that do do that, like I have a best friend who's a homeschool mom and I tell her she needs to have her own little classroom because she's amazing. Yeah, I give props to people who have that creative aspect, but that's just not me. So I was like, we have to find a better way because it's going to be miserable for him and for me for however long this is going to last. And sometimes we watched movies and um, he wanted to play superheroes. And it was funny to see how his transition changed again to be now that he's going to be three in a couple months during that time of being introduced to little superheroes and pretend play, which I had read was so important. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe we could do pretend play. So I focused more on that. So Mm -hmm. thank you for saying that. And I'm glad that we are on because I'm like, again, I don't think it's discussed because on social media, what we see is this beautiful portrait of, but they should be doing arts and crafts and they should be doing this. And that's not in every household. And nor should it just be that one way of learning because there's so many different ways children can learn and be engaged and thrive in different environments. Right. Yeah. And we're all going to be filled up and drained by different things. Like you said, like your friend is good at that other stuff. And she loves it. And so it it works, right? So, you know, being mindful of kind of, we're all different and we're all being filled up and drained by different stuff and that's okay. Yeah. And then once recognizing it, then pivot and say, okay, this isn't working. So we got to look for something else as opposed to pushing it to be this perfect thing. Like, no, it has to work. No, it doesn't have to. It could work for what's what's best for you and your family. Mm -hmm. Very true. Okay, Bryce. So I like to get into um, my little get to knows. And this is where it's, I guess it's like a rapid fire question. I just, I love finding out people's um, like favorites of certain things. So what I'm a movie buff. I love movies, any kind of movies. Do you have a favorite movie? 
Oh my gosh. I was thinking about this. I, I saw this question. I was like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? Everyone so, that. My so favorite so moms, they're like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, oh my God, I love movies. It was so I know. So um, Goonies is one of like my all time. I was trying to think of movies that I've seen like a million times. I could watch a million times again and again. Yes, exactly. So Goonies and Jaws are my two that are like. Jaws, I, really? Oh my God, classic. That movie made me deathly afraid of the ocean though. Yes, definitely. Right. I love it. And I, you know, I live on Cape Cod right now, which is where you know we do have like a great white shark thing going on so like yes. there's something kind of like it feels you know I don't know there's just I just love it yes I agree um, oh that's so awesome that you said because it's like I think it was rated Jaws like one of the number one horror thrillers scary movies of all times a couple times and I'm like yeah that was like an ingenious way <laughs> of like scaring people doing what it's supposed to do of like, yeah. bringing light to this shark so yeah that's awesome and Goonies that's that's classic <laughs> Yeah. Which I don't know if you saw the Goonies, they had like a reunion, I don't know, during the whole quarantine thing, of course, stars and celebrities were trying to find different ways to like engage with the audience and they had a Goonies reunion. Oh, no way. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it was kind of sweet. They had like all of them. It, it was sweet. Um, what's your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book to, well, my favorite book, like professional book. I always love it. How to Talk So Kids Will Listen and Listen So Kids Will Talk. Okay. And that's something I lend out again and again. Um, and my favorite book right now, it's actually a kid's book that I've been reading with my daughter, but it makes me so happy every night when we read it, is Giraffes Can't Dance. Oh, sweet. Okay. So it's something that just like makes me so happy. And I, my son loved it when he was this age. And there's just something about it right now that I just love so yeah, I, I uh, thought of a million books I read like adult real you know like grown-up books sure. but that's the one that's making me happy right now so giraffes can dance I love it and then giraffes can't dance yes more. you said listen so kids say that one again how to talk so kids will listen and listen so kids will talk mm. I bet you you can apply that in every relationship you have oh my god life. it's so good it is like the best book you'll find out there okay, I love it nice um, definitely have to add it. I'm also an avid reader when I do have time. I go through, I go through moments. There's some lows where I'm like, yeah. I don't have the energy for it. And then there's other times I could read a book in like two days. It depends on my energy level. Mm. Um, so let's go a little bit deeper. Any high or low mommy moments of the week that you would like to share? Mm. Well, virtual learning was definitely our struggle of the week. It was, you know, I was really surprised at how it brought us back to that, I want to say like even that trauma of March, right? You know, where we're just kind of, we were doing virtual learning then and just how hard and difficult that was in the midst of kind of the chaos of our lives. So going back to virtual learning this week was really a challenge for myself and my son and, and my husband, who was, you know, we we're all three of us were trying to manage it and just kind of how difficult it is to kind of go back to this different routine, but in the learning in this new way. And that was a real struggle. Um, and it kind of like put us on our, you know, it felt like we ran a marathon last like night. Like we're all just back. You're like, oh, we finally found a groove and now we got to go back. And now we're doing this and this is really hard and weird trying to get a six-year-old to learn on a Zoom call. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, my favorite moment of the week, you know, my daughter has and been in preschool till noon each day. So I've been having that time when my son had breaks from Zoom, mm -hmm. um, kind of to be one-on-one -on -one with him, which we don't always get the chance to do as much as I would like. Um, and so this week, one day we, he had been collecting all these coins and we took him to the grocery store to put them in those little machines uh -huh. <laughs> that count the coins. Right. And, um, and we did that together and he was so excited to get this gift card <laughs> out of this machine and getting to like list driving around with him and listening to him talk about what he was going to spend his money on. Aww. It was just like my favorite moment of the week. I, I just loved it. That's awesome. Um, I, I'd like to share usually mine too, again, because it's I love that. relatable things. Um, my low mommy moment of the week was probably um, like any like what my son cried again of, well, actually no, two crying when anytime I have to leave, it's right. still, we still kind of struggle with that. Um, and he's been getting up a lot in the middle of the night and not for long periods, but it, anything can trigger. Maybe he had a bad dream, maybe, mm. <clears throat> I don't know. The other day he said he was thirsty and he comes in my room. So that's been a little low in the sense of, cause then I have to get up and go to work and I work outside of the home. Right. Thankfully it's in a small office where it's socially distanced and you know, things of that. But when I have to leave in the morning and he's up, he cries for me. So that's Aww. been hard because then I have to try and rush to leave yeah. him before he wakes up. But then I have the guilt of not being able to say goodbye to him. Right. Um, so that's, that's still, we're still kind of struggling with that 
currently. Um, but you know, it, we have good and bad days and probably my yeah. high moment of the week is I love our bedtime routine. I feel like it's like, he is his most joyful, happy little self. He just starts singing and dancing and yeah. it's like our wind down time. Sometimes we play for it with his little magnet mag former. Sometimes we're Aww. doing dinosaurs against his superheroes. Sometimes we're, you know, wrestling with his little lightsabers. Mm. Um, and then he always, we always read a book. We read two books. I read one and my husband usually read, read, reads one or sometimes he'll say mommy has to read two. And then right before we go to bed, he always asks to lay on my chest. Aww. Um, Best that's feeling. Little, yeah. I'm like, and it's sometimes for two minutes, sometimes a minute, you know, but he'll say, mommy, can I lay on your chest? And I'm like, sure. Like he always asks mm. even to this day. Um, and then he'll lay between my belly and my chest. And that is like every, that's like, I oh. post about it on Facebook. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Cause I'm like, yeah. there's just no better feeling than that of that, having that connection. That even though there are times before bed, I'm like, could you just go to bed? Mommy is tired. <laughs> yes the wind down is like an hour it takes you know he's a boy with a lot a lot of energy but you know I'm not I know we're not gonna have these moments for a long time so I'm just embracing them as, as yeah as, as, letting them fill you up soaking them up when you have them so next question let's pivot what has motherhood taught you oh my gosh I feel like it has taught me everything I just feel like it has awoken me just myself on just such a deep level that I am understanding myself and myself and feeling just more confident in myself in in ways that I never realized before. Sure, of uplifting and bringing stuff out of you. I know a couple moms that have said that that um, I think it just taps into something you know that is almost unexplainable of of what it's taught us in bringing out ourselves and bringing um, making us be the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do for self care? Like, what does Bryce do? You, you know, you spend so much time, your wife, your mom, your therapist, helping other moms. What mm -hmm. do you do to take care of you? I'm a big believer in tiny habits, having big results. You know, I think people sometimes get mad at my view of self-care or people have feelings about my view of self-care. They're like, you should be going to concerts and you should be going and getting a massage. I'm like, oh, I can't do those things all the time. Like, you know, so I'm a big believer in like everyday moments of self-care and, um, for me, that looks like, you know, walking my dog after dinner. So, you know, my husband cleans the kitchen and I go and walk the dog and get some fresh air and it just fills me up. Uh, listening to podcasts, um, you know, taking the time to kind of nourish my own interests like that when we, it's so easy to kind of get sucked up into, you know, doing everything for my kids, um, really being intentional about kind of nourishing what my brain is interested in and what my own personal interests are. And taking this stuff like taking the scenic route home, you know, like instead of just driving, you know, down the main thoroughfare, I like to drive by the ocean sometimes or go past something that makes me happy. And just saying yes to life and experiences that fill me up, you know, just little things like that. And I think that's important for you to speak on because it goes back to what society thinks. We have to make it this elaborate self-care. You need to go for a massage. You need to be whatever it is on an elaborate scale. Again, not that there's anything wrong with it, but again, you recognizing what you need and going with that, not yeah. what society is saying or not on this grand scale for you to feel at one with yourself and to feel at peace. Sometimes I think it's just having the time to be alone in your brain, which I think we've gotten away yeah. from, which is a whole nother topic we could talk about of social media and being on our cell phones and being right. connected. Sometimes you just need to be alone in your, at, at peace with your brain and thinking. Yeah. And it just can be those little things and, and recognizing what we have space for in this moment. We don't always have space for everything that, you know, we think we need, you know, I don't, we might not have space to make a three hour adventure, you know, or overnight girls trip or something like that. But I, I do have space to kind of take the extra five minutes to drive away that I like to drive, you know, or to listen to that extra song in the car. And, you know, that's okay. That can, that fills me up and I, you know, I can, I can go that's with that. Awesome. What advice or wisdom do you hope that your children will always follow or what's something you like to instill in them um, and hope to, as far as like your legacy with them, what, what is, what is that for your, what does that look like mm, to your children? I love this question. So I want them to know that they're just inherently worthy and lovable. You know, I love my kids for exactly who they are. And I hope they always know that they never have to change to be anything 
else or anything, anyone other than just who they are to be worthy and loved by anyone else they come across in this life. You know, I think so often, like we're allowed to believe that like we have to be someone for someone else, but really like, I just want them to know every single day that I just think they're awesome and amazing because of who they are exactly, that they don't have to do anything to change. Love it, love it, love it. So important to, to especially in this day and age and this comment when they are going to have access to so many people having comments when they do get older and they are succumb to just being older and people telling them maybe not nice things and being mm-hmm. around people who might not be nice. I think that's so important to instill, especially at this age. Right. Um, any final thoughts to the podcast world? Anything else you want to touch you know, a little bit on that maybe if you didn't or just any, any final advice to, you know, to the listeners out there. Yeah. So I just like people to know that you're never as alone as in your experiences as you might feel in this moment. You know, I think that, you know, going back to what we talked about with the polls, you know, I think that it's so easy to feel just alone and isolated in our experiences, especially as mothers. And if, I've learned anything as being a therapist, but especially being a therapist on Instagram, you know, where I'm talking to thousands and thousands of women is that we're all more alike than different in so many ways. And we have more in common with one another than we think. I love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Bryce. This was fun. I appreciate you sharing your truth, your journey, your wisdom with the world. I think it's so important for moms to hear this. So thank you for coming on. I consider my little mama's no best computed um, as a community. You know, I just feel like this is what we need to hear to have these kind of conversations. So thank you for coming on. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for having me. I love, I love talking to you and I'm so excited to get to know your community a little bit better. Thank you, Bryce. Have a great weekend. You too, Nicole. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mamas Know Best, We Got Something to Say podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on the platform you're listening on. Tune in next time to hear another fierce mama share her story. Continued blessings to you all for love and light.